There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into a new week of the podcast. We certainly appreciate each of you that listen each and every day. And we thank you for tuning in. We've been in the book of Job, and we're going to continue here in the book of Job with the Lord's help. And I want to look at several areas here in the book of Job. We're going to be in Job 6 today. Uh, but one of the things we're going to do is we're probably going to take pause sometime this week on the podcast. We're going to go look at a doctrine, the doctrine of the soul of Jesus Christ. We have done that on the podcast, but not in great detail. And I believe the Lord would have us take a couple of days. I had consulted a, a dear brother in the Lord, and he had recommended I do that. Because it gives greater understanding of the suffering of Job. And you'll see the prophecies of Job far more clearly when you see Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at that in a couple of days. But for today, I'd like to finish Job chapter 6 with the Lord's help. And we stopped in verse 10. We talk about the Holy One. And verse 11, what is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Now, again, that's one of those statements. You look at that. Is that prophetic? Well, what is the strength that I should hope? He's a worm and no man. A worm has no strength. His strength has fled him. His strength has gone from him. And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Can any of us prolong our life? No. Could Job prolong his life? No. But yet Jesus Christ also made his life a sacrifice. And so we look at that again in the eyes of prophecy. We look at that through the word of God, according to Job. In verse 12, is my strength the strength of stones or is my flesh of brass? No, none of us, including the body of Jesus Christ. He was flesh and he did not dash his foot against the stone. We know that. We know that the enemies came upon his flesh to eat up his flesh. They stumbled and they fell. Uh, he, this was God's flesh, God's body, yet it was bone, it was flesh, it was muscle, it was fat, it was organs just like you and I have. It was a body as it pleased the Lord to give him. And he says, is not mine helping me and his wisdom driven quite from me. To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. And there's so much that can be said about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Almighty, the fear of Almighty God. There's so much that can be said about that. But the question he asks here is about the fear of the Lord. Uh, you know, when he says, I'm afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, and yet his familiar friends forsook him. So again, there's just words that intertwine, there's prophecies that intertwine. We see these things tape shape. And as we get to chapter 7, I want to look at more of that in chapter 7, because it begins to take a little bit clearer picture. But the time we get to chapter 10, it's a very clear picture. The Word of God very clearly shows us some things. But I believe it's important to understand Jesus Christ's suffering. Most Protestant, most traditional fundamentalists, most traditional religion, they prophesy of Christ on the cross. They'll show the sufferings of Christ on the cross, what they call his passion. 
they started using that term again after that movie was made called The Passion of Christ back some 20 years ago. And they started using that term again. But what they see is they see a suffering Savior. They see a crucified Savior. They can understand the physical suffering. They can understand him being beaten and scourged and the crown of thorns upon his head, and those wounds in his hands and his feet. But what they cannot understand is the suffering of his soul, the agony that Jesus Christ was in when he's been made sin for us who knew no sin, his separation from God because of that sin. And they can't see that. They can't understand that. He said, my brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook, in verse 15, and as the streams of brooks, they pass away, which are blackish by reason of the ice, and wherein the snow is hid. And someone had asked me this recently, a question about this passage. A man had contacted me, a dear brother in Christ, and he asked me about this passage. I told him, I said, well, I see it as messianic. I see it as Jesus Christ. He was asking me concerning, of course, sin, the sin nature, things like that. But in the reality, what we see are the blackish of ice, the treasures of the snow. We see that also later in the book of Job, when the snow is hid, that's under the cover of darkness. That's where God judged his son was in that darkness, the blackness of night, one place in the scripture told us. There are the treasures of the snow with God, the hailstones, wherein he, he has deferred judgment. He has stored them up for time of judgment. What time they wax warm, they vanish. When it is hot, they're consumed out of their place. So again, he's speaking now the ice, the blackness of the ice. He's referring that to the brethren, those that familiar friends that forsook him, those that walked away from him, those that denied him, those that have rejected him. When the warmth came, they disappeared. One of them standing by the fire warming himself. And of course, he was cold as ice. But God thawed him. God melted him that day. And he went out and wept bitterly because of that. Job's familiar friends, of course, in the time of his warmth, in the time when Job prospered, they were his friends. But when it came to his calamity, they wanted nothing to do with Job except for reproving him, rebuking him, correcting him. He said, they pass of their way or turned aside. They go to nothing and perish. That's, of course, the snow, that's the ice he speaks of, just like his friends. The troops of Tema looked, and the companies of Sheba waited for them. Now, I got a lot to say about the troops of Tema, and this is what I'm going to say. The troops of Tema is what the Bible says. That's about the understanding I have of that. I've looked at that. I don't have comprehension of that. If you have comprehension of that, I would love for you to talk to us, love for you to reach out and let us know you have some understanding of those things. The companies of Sheba waited for them. Now, I realize in Psalm 22, there's bulls of Bashan, and we know Og of Bashan was a king that was judged of God, and uh, the children of Israel destroyed him, yet we don't see them going to battle necessarily with him. But yet, in places, we understand also that God destroyed him, and God destroyed Canaan. God destroyed the Philistines. So, the work of the Lord. So, there's these dark things that we don't quite understand. When I say dark, I mean under the under the shadow of darkness. I don't fully understand or comprehend some things in the Word of God. God has hid them from me. And Og is one of those I've looked at. Team is one of those I've looked at. If you have some light on that, please talk to us about that. They were confounded because they had a hope. They came thither and were ashamed. Now, I'm being very transparent in that because there's folks that ask questions about those things. And I don't ever want somebody to think I just gloss over something and act like I'm intelligent or wise or smart. And if I gloss over something, it's because I don't understand it. Or I just don't have anything more than exactly what the Scripture says. There's many books in the Bible you'll preach, especially those uh, Old Testament prophets you get in Isaiah and on. There's passages that are absolutely exactly what it said. It's the judgment of God upon Israel. It's prophesied against Israel. There's nothing deeper that I can see. And sometimes you could probably preach two chapters on the podcast, just going through verse by verse. This is what the Bible says. But then there's places you stop and take pause. 
He said they were confounded because they had help. They came thither and were ashamed, for now ye are nothing. Ye see my casting down and are afraid. Did I say bring unto me or give me a reward for me of your substance? No, he did not say that. He didn't ask them for anything. He didn't ask them for any type of uh, reward or any type of compensation. No, but they were his familiar friends. And yet they're the ones that forsook him. They're the ones that walked away from him. The ones that turned their back on him. And he goes on and says, or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the mighty. He's asking these questions of his friends, asking those of those closest to him, most familiar to him. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words, but what doth your arguing reprove? Do you imagine to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate, which are as wind? Yea, ye overwhelm the fathers, ye dig a pit for your friend. So in his worst day, in the calamity of his suffering of his worst day, there's his friends. Miserable comforters are ye all. It's what he told them. And they were miserable comforters. They were no help to Job. They really were no friend to Job. In the darkest hour of his night, they forced their words. They reproved him, tried to start arguments with him. And their speeches were desperate. But he said, there has the wind. Can you imagine being the, the darkest day of your suffering, the darkest calamity of your life, and then man come and reprove you? It would just be like blowing wind. It would just be like the breeze blowing through your ears. You wouldn't even hear it because why the calamity's overthrown you. The calamity's come upon you, and that's what they're doing here. How could Job get any lower than what he is? But there come his miserable friends to make him lower, and I believe that's the literal there. I see that very much as Job. I see that very much as his friends because I've been there, been in the dark hour, and somebody comes, and they're going to comfort you by reproving you. You'll kick a man while he's down, beat him real good while he's down down. Do you really think Job cared what his friends thought at this time? He feels like God has turned him over, feels like God has turned against him, and now his friends come and reprove and rebuke him? I don't think it was even on his mind caring what his friends thought. And I think that's the way it is in many times in our life. People come and they think they're doing the will of God, I think they're doing the work of God by reproving the obvious faults we have and the obvious flaws that we have, but it's nothing compared to what God does. It's nothing compared to his reproof and his rebuke. It's nothing compared to how God sees us in our calamity and then corrects us in our calamity, and God rightens us according to holiness. He goes on, then it says, you overwhelm the fathers, you dig a pit for your friend. Now, therefore, be content, look upon me, for it is evident unto you if I lie. This is what I am. This is where I am. It's evident if I'm lying about this. I'm not trying to be self-righteous, he's saying, but I'm just telling you exactly what's taking place. I'm not trying to justify my being. It's just the reality of my calamity. Here I am in the darkest hour of my life, in the darkest time of my life, and there's my miserable friends to come upon me. Return, I pray you. Let it be not be iniquity. Yea, return again. My righteousness is in it. And then verse 30, he asked this great question. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? So Job challenges them with the reality of where he is with God and where he stands with God, where he feels his position with God is. But at the same time, we see glimpses of prophecy in there. We see the, the pattern is followed at minimum in Jesus Christ. And it's up for us to discern, is he speaking by the Spirit of Christ? Is Job speaking by the Word of God? Is Job speaking because Christ in him is speaking? 
And he's revealing himself as he's speaking in the first person because it's Jesus Christ speaking. And as we go through Job, we'll begin to see that, to me at least, more clearly take shape. Hopefully to you, you've seen that more clearly than I have. But we'll see that take shape. And so Job is not asking hypothetical questions. He is challenging his friends with doctrine. He's challenging his friends with scripture. He's challenging his friends with that which is to come, which is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord willing, tomorrow on the podcast, we'll look at Job's response once again. But again, pray for us, because one of these days, very soon, we are going to look at the soul of Jesus Christ through Scripture, going to detail, going to the depths of some of those things, and understanding the suffering of the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. I believe it's imperative. I believe in the mouths of two witnesses, this word has been established. And so we're going to do that on the podcast to be a help. And I realize we may lose some listeners. There's some folks that will just greatly balk at that or they'll stonewall at that. And they'll have to run back to their foreign language class they took one time in a Bible institute. And they'll have to correct the scripture and say, that's not what it means. And they'll go pull C.I. Schofield's notes out and say, that's the grave. That's not hell. And they'll have to go in there and pull the Jehovah's Witness doctrine that, you know, this is this is not the grave. This is the grave. This is not suffering. This is not torment here. And this is annihilation here. And they'll pull out all kinds of things. But yet at the same time, it's the truth. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And he said this, and is profitable. What is it profitable? For doctrine. And we must have the doctrine right. It's amazing how we have the doctrine of the blood of Christ. We have the doctrine of the, the sufferings of Christ, which is the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. But what we don't have today that I hear really pretty much anywhere anymore today is the doctrine of the sufferings of the Christ according to his soul. And when do you hear the preaching on the doctrine? Yet the soul of Jesus Christ is all through Scripture. And you talk about the tears of Jesus Christ. People think you're crazy. God's tears, God's blood, God's soul, God's spirit, God's body. All those things, that's God's. It's his. He can do what he wants with it. He does what he will with it. That's what he did with Jesus Christ, as he would. He did with Jesus Christ. It was his will. And so with the Lord's help, we want to look at that. So pray for us this week. I hope you have a great week. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.